were trying something new. We we thought we had it all together, and unfortunately, um, technology happens. So we're we're kind of winging it here. Um, tonight we have with us from uh, Ohio Stands Up. We have Jason Hedges, and on uh, the separate screen there we have Jen Drabic, who were the co-founders um, of the Ohio Stands Up uh, movement. Mm -hmm. And you guys will get into exactly how that whole thing started, what the story uh, from almost two years ago now, yeah. when you started this and uh, walk through kind of the history of Ohio Stands Up and, and uh, going on into what Warner's been doing uh, more recently and, and how you guys have changed your time. So if you guys want to start about where did this sure. all start? Jen, do you want me to go or do you want to go? Um, I'll start and then, you know, since it kind of, you know, since I invited you to join me, I guess. You did. Um, so it feels like it's been a million years, you guys. I, I can't believe it's been almost two years that we've been going through this. It's two weeks to flatten the curve has turned into almost the two-year anniversary. Um, so here we are um, almost two years into this. And I can say with pretty uh, much 100% um, confidence that when we shut down for the two weeks, um, I knew that it was going to be a lot more than that and something more nefarious was going on. Um, in April, um, I began to see some, um, I don't know, talk of masks and using masks to um, mitigate the virus when originally the CDC was saying that they weren't going to work. And I kind of just saw the writing on the wall and I knew that there was it was going to be about a lot more than the mask, but I just really felt like this was going to be a huge issue. So I started putting some feelers out via Facebook and some of the medical freedom groups. Um, would you guys want to, you know, spin off and do an Ohioans against mandatory masks kind of group? And so I, I launched that and realized very, very quickly that I was going to need some help with that and saw Jason online and saw a lot of like-minded comments that he was making. And I, I really just asked him to please help me co-administer the page with me. And graciously, he offered to do that. Um, shortly thereafter, we actually met in Columbus at one of the rallies at the state house. So it was really great. I got to meet him right away. Um, and then things started moving from there. One of the first things that we wanted to do was to try to find um, an attorney that would support uh, possibly fighting the future mandate that we felt was going to be coming very quickly by Governor DeWine. And that did not prove to be an easy thing to do. Um, I think both of us made lots and lots of phone calls to attorneys trying to find somebody who was willing to to put their necks out for us um, to try to fight for our kids and our, you know, and ourselves as these mandates were starting to roll in um, softly but surely, right? So um, I don't know, Jace, do you want to take it from there? Yeah, you and I had made a number of calls between, I want to say April and early June. I mean, we called yeah. attorneys in Painesville. We talked to my wife and I, Renee, we put up about $500 to meet uh, with a, an attorney group out of Cincinnati. 
And then um, we talked to an attorney in Columbus and it, it just, there was no enthusiasm or, you know, like, yeah, we can do this. Let's, let's move forward. So there was a good, almost a month and a half where we were making phone calls and we weren't really weren't getting anywhere. And then another woman, Jen, different Jen, introduced us to attorney Robert Gargas. And he and I had been speaking about some things I was concerned about in the schools. And then he ultimately introduced us to attorney Tom Renz. And that was probably late June, I think early July. And Tom came out to my house with Renee and we had had a meeting with Tom. What had happened is Jen set up the page and then you know, I would do these lives talking about our concerns and what we wanted to do. And it seemed to resonate with people. And then, you know, we said, I, I put a post out, I submitted a post and said, Hey, does anybody want to put together a board? Anybody want to be part of a board? And we got all these responses. We had a number of people come and go. Um, one, one, uh, it was a husband and wife team. They were with us briefly and he actually, Jen and I were talking about changing the name because we were concerned. We knew this was going to be more about than just about masks. We didn't really know what kind of name we wanted to go with. Um, and this gentleman, Micah, who's a talented musician in central Ohio, he said, what about Ohio stands up? And it just, Jen, it kind of resonated, right? Yeah, I think that when we all heard, so we were seeking board members from, we wanted people to represent all parts of Ohio, and we got a lot of interest, and we started kind of pulling together a core group of people, and when Micah um, mentioned the Ohio Stands Up name, he had mentioned that he had actually bought that as a, a, a website address, and I think we all just kind of said, yes, this is exactly what this is all about. This is, I think we all unanimously were, were like, this is amazing. This would be so wonderful. You already have it. And this is, this is exactly who we are. This is Ohio standing up. And so at that point, um, I think we began to really, a lot of things were happening at the same time, right? So we had that going on. We had our, our core group of board members forming at the same time. And then we also had met with Tom and Bob who were exactly what we thought we wanted and we needed at the time. So that all happened mid-summer of 2020. A lot of things were happening at the same time. And then we... I went ahead and started the GoFundMe. I think it was July 6th. And we raised about $10,000 in about three weeks. And then Tom came out to our house on a July day. Renee and I met with him he, for about four and a half hours. And he said, let's go ahead and do this. We paid the retainer. And then we filed the first lawsuit against Mike DeWine's emergency declaration on August 31st of 2020. And I mean, I think with Ohio Stands Up, it was a number of people coming together and everybody kind of brought a piece. You know, Jen brought a piece. Jen and I kind of kicked it off. Micah gave us the name. Someone developed a real great logo. And I started the GoFundMe. I kind of tried to create a presence on the Facebook page. And it, it was just all these people kind of converging together. Right now, we've got seven board members, which were, I want to say, Five of us are the original ones. There's at least five. A number of people have come and, go, come and gone for different reasons, but we've currently got about five of the original board members. 
and we filed the one lawsuit against Mike DeWine. That was eventually withdrawn in, I want to say February of 2021 for two reasons. Um, Mike DeWine pulled the emergency declaration so predictably, and then also SB 22 kicked in at some point, and that kind of took away some of his, his powers. So there was no point in, you know, trying to refile that case against Mike DeWine. It would have been moot. Jen, is that kind of how you understand it? Yeah, I think, you know, that, yes, that was the, the major reason. And then we filed another lawsuit in, I think it was December of 2020. That was against the CDC, HHS, and the National Center for Health Statistics. And that case was... Um, basically in September, it was dismissed of 2021. And then it was appealed at the end of October. Now, Ohio stands up, you know, we had paid Tom and Bob through the GoFundMe, we raised $150,000. And I'd say almost all of that, except about $800 and the fees that they take out, went for those lawsuits and a writ of prohibition for the Vaximillion. And so, we decided to pull as plaintiffs from the second suit because we had people calling us about, you know, I'm going to lose my job if I don't take the shot or, you know, my kids are still having to wear masks or have to go after the schools. And we thought we would pull from that and then put those resources towards smaller lawsuits, which is how we got introduced. Thankfully, well, it it was, it was well-timed. I mean, it was just maybe a few weeks prior that, uh, I had talked to, or Warner had wor- reached out to me again, uh, probably end August, early September, and and I kept asking, uh, what do you need to to get these cases off the ground? What what would make it easier? What makes it happen? And and the answer I got was was money, and it was right there. I'm like, well, there's Ohio stands up. I know they're no longer affiliated really with Tom Renz, and they've got a great. Uh, fundraising platform. Is there a way you guys can do it? And I believe uh, Renee, your wife, she 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 watched uh, the uh, first interview, I believe, with Warner a few days later, and she called me pretty much at exactly the same time I was calling her. <laughs> <laughs> when was when was that interview? It was, was that October. Uh, no, 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 no. It was sep- September. Uh, September, September? 17th, I want to yeah, say something thought, like that. it was mid-September was, yeah. was the first time that we had you and, and Tom Connors on. And uh, Renee, I watched uh, Renee watched it a few days later. And, and we really were just it was it was right there at the same moment where I was going to reach out. And she reached out to me saying this lawyer is great. And so magic. Well, it's interesting to me. I mean, what you guys did by supporting Renz and getting those lawsuits, uh, you know, filed, it, it provided a channel for a lot of information to come out. And, you know, Tom obviously has jumped to the national stage, you know, but it was if he hadn't had a uh, platform in Ohio that you guys provided, um, you know, I doubt that he would have hit the national stage. So that really helped. And it, you know, has provided a channel for whistleblowers. Yep. Um, you know, they know, they at least know someone that they can call. I mean, there are more and more attorneys that are starting to get identified, um, you know, willing to take these cases. Um, but I, you know, I mean, I, I just want to mark that, you know, that that no matter what happened with those lawsuits, I think that's a tremendous success uh, for Ohio Stands Up to bring attention to the problems 
you know, and to provide, you know, at least a channel for whistleblowers to step forward yeah. and talk about what they found. So, I mean, you know, I know the, the it's a mixed bag in terms of what happened with the cases, but I, but I think that's often true in all of our litigation. Um, you know, even, you know, just filing a case has an impact. It, it's almost a chemistry. Yeah. And you guys help shift the chemistry of the entire nation by, by doing what you did and, and by supporting attorney Renz and, and getting, you know, those lawsuits launched. And we've well, seen what he did with the DOD data. Yeah. That would never have come out if it weren't for Ohio Stands Up in day one, I, I don't believe. So, and it's, yeah. it's, it's also a thing of, um, I did want to say again, I mean, I am not affiliated with Ohio Stands Up, um, but at the same time, back in that summer, um, you guys doing what you were doing, it did bring people like me who, who worked in data, who understood science and all that, and, and it brought us all together and, and kind of um, uh, solidified us into and channeled us exactly into that thing. And I mean, it, it, it made a huge impact, especially, especially that first summer and, and really making noise and, and having a purpose and a direction for all of our frustrations, whether we joined the movement or not. He um, he said that you should he as a board and Jen you might remember this he said during one of our board meetings that you should be proud of yourselves you started a national movement I mean we had uh, Nebraska someone from Nebraska had contacted me in the late summer and talked about how did you guys get this going and then we there's Arizona stands up there's Guardians of Freedom Michigan which were modeled off Ohio stands up and then if you go to America stands up there's a bunch of other stands up chapters. So, I mean, I, I really believe that this, this started in Ohio with a very small group of people, and it's kind of morphed into something that I never would have imagined. I mean, we we had our first event in December of 2020 at Wise Guys here in Akron, yep. and okay. I said in November, I said to the team, I said, why don't we just start some kind of social event, and we could kind of model it after the Ohio School Psych Association events that I go to, where we have food there. It'd be educational. And then we could raffle some baskets. So we, we all kicked around all these ideas. So it was about 80 people in Akron and wise guys. And I think that sold out. And then we had in January, we had one in, um, it went, well, and let's remember at that time, you guys, people were so hungry for normalcy and for human interaction and for all of the things that we were standing for too. Right. So when we started having our events, it was, they were so tremendously well attended because people were, were, were just, they couldn't wait to, to have some sense of normalcy. And then we were, we were providing that for them. And it was amazing. It was, I think it was feeding all of our souls at that time because we were so, it was just such a, you know, crazy, confusing, desolate, um, sad time for humanity, right? I mean, all the things that we had taken for granted for and all the freedoms that we had had for our whole lives were, were being compromised. So yeah, it was well, the attendees. I can say that those yes. made, made such a difference in terms of one of the most important things that I've, I've been saying for a long time is, you know, it's, it's only normal average everyday people who are going to stop this. It's it, that's how we do it is have enough people say enough. And I, I, I really, and I, and I keep, you know, bugging everyone around me as well. Uh, 
those kinds of events along with the early Blystone events were, mm -hmm. I think those are, are, are one of the most important things in, in how Ohio has been able to deal with a lot of the, the issues coming out of DeWine's office and things like that. We were able to get SB 22 passed. We were able to do those things. And, and in that way, we actually uh, stopped a lot of really horrible things from happening. And I, I do really give credit to, to you guys in many ways, along with others to, to start that organizational and, and um, those events that bring large numbers of people together being normal with each other, which mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's hugely impactful. It's hugely important. Yeah. The events, Jen, I, I mean, you, They've been very successful. I mean, our last two sold out. The one we had in August here in Stowe with Dr. Tenpenny, I was at the venue that, that afternoon getting things ready. And I, we already had a waiting list and we had people calling, can I get in, can I get in? And we had unfortunately turned people away. The event we just had in January with Dr. LaFay and Warner and um, you know Catherine, that sold out. The next one is April 9th in Cincinnati with Dr. Ben Artis. Um, and that's going to be, that'll be fun. And then we have Dr. Mark McDonald, who's a child psychiatrist out of Los Angeles. He's going to be joining us on June 11th in Westerville. And he just wrote a book, uh, The United States Fear, that talks about, which is, you know, kind of near and dear to my heart as a psychologist, is this mass delusional psychosis that people seem to be under. So, these events, you know, we're going to continue, you know, Dr. Janet Levinton, um, who is interested in being a speaker for us, which is great. She's literally in our backyard. And so we'd like to get her possibly for July or August. And the, I think, I like to think that Ohio Stands Up has contributed something to the state, something positive uh, amidst all the, you know, just the, the lunacy that came out of Columbus. I mean, to me, it was not the answer to not just Ohio Stands Up, but what Catherine was doing and all these other freedom groups were doing were sort of the answer to this propaganda that was being just pumped out of Columbus day in and day out. So all the pieces are important, that's for sure. Well, and that was part of our original mission statement, right? I mean, we were challenging, we were honoring, and we were educating. So it wasn't just one piece that we were interested in, you know, it wasn't all about litigation and filing lawsuits. It was also about, you know, providing that, that opportunity to, you know, empower others to make change and, and to, to pro provide truth to people, right? It was, it was so much more than just lawyers and litigation and, you know, suing people. It was, yeah, I mean, because there are a lot of calls that I would take um, where it was somebody just wanted to talk, you know, they're like, I need to understand what can I do and people who wanted to take action. So there was, it was heavily educationally based, and then there was the legal aspect of it, and then there was a political um, aspect to it as well. So it was, we were fighting it on sort of three tiers, and I mean, currently Ohio stands up as once we got to meet Warner and actually the day that Catherine and Renee talked, Renee said, you got to call this attorney. He's right in, in Akron. I said, okay, it was a Thursday. I just got <laughs> off work. So yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm just noticing some questions here. Oh, sure. I, maybe we got to clarify a couple of things. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I think we, we kind of made the assumption that the folks who would be, you know, watching this would know exactly who we are. And, and maybe that's not perfectly clear. 
Um, first of all, uh, we are in the studios of uh, the radiofreenetwork.com. So, and they run an online station uh, that is an urban station here in Akron, Ohio called WMVU. Uh, and that's at WMVU.org, which stands for We Are Many Voices United, which uh, actually uh, <laughs> kind of resonates with what we're doing here. But that's the logo in the background. And I'm Warner Mendenhall. I'm an attorney who has uh, been uh, suing government, local government, state government, federal government, uh, and, and also working to recover uh, you know, uh, corporate from corporate fraud. And we're having a lot of that right now in the Medicare and Medicaid space, also in the SBA loan space. So that's kind of was my history. And so when this pandemic struck, uh, you know, we saw that, that the government and obviously the corporations had really gotten out of their lane and were doing things that they don't have any power, historically had no power to do and that we're in complete violation with our rights. So we have been litigating these issues for, since the 90s and had begun to litigate in, uh, in 2020. Uh, you know, are we actually that very first case from, uh, from 2020 uh, stemmed from when they shut down the bars and we represented a small bar that they shut down and it is pending right now before the Ohio Supreme Court. And, um, you know, obviously that was very damaging to that family that owns that bar. Uh, and they had funded the case as far as they could. Uh, we had done, uh, you know, basically um, pro bono work for quite a while for them. And Ohio stands up to help to get the appeal filed uh, at the Ohio Supreme Court. So uh, that family, uh, you know, is certainly grateful uh, for the help of Ohio stands up to keep their case alive and hopefully the Supreme Court will hear it. Uh, but the, the very first case, you know, now, you know, a couple of years later is, is up at the Supreme Court. And then, you know, uh, I kept noticing Catherine and I'll <laughs> let her describe who she is. And I thought she was doing such a wonderful job on the data analysis, which looked, uh, you know, what the Ohio, Ohio was putting out looked kind of ridiculous. Yes. Um, and Catherine just kept pointing that out week after week after week and I somehow I got onto that I think I I, I forget when we first talked it might have been it, it was because I, I went to no, I, I went by yeah. I went viral because I uh, so as Werner was saying I mean I I've so been, you explain what you do and who you are a little bit because <laughs> I, I, I we made an assumption question. that people know who we are so <laughs> let's let's look back down a little bit <laughs> it's, it's an excellent question um uh uh <laughs> From the from the beginning, I I, I knew it was kind of not right uh, from the science perspective. Um, I I went to case in Stanford, double majored geology, evolutionary biology, and part of that degree uh, involved um, epidemiology and evolution of human diseases. So this whole thing. Slow down. Did you all hear that? <laughs> Say that again, Catherine. More slowly. Slowly. All right. Um, yeah, I don't even know which part. Evolutionary and human diseases. What degree did uh, you get? The, uh, evolutionary <laughs> biology was uh -huh. one of them. And the epidemiology and evolution of human diseases. So basically, how do uh, pathogens co-evolve with humans, both novel and, and um, uh, more standard? Uh, so, so this was all very familiar to me. Uh, I kind of knew what should be happening. And when we started doing all these irrational things, it was, it was pretty obvious to me. Um, 
and it just kept getting worse. And like so many others, we, we knew it was wrong and uh, I didn't know what to do about it. And it was because of groups like Ohio Stands Up. I, I, watched, your, <laughs> I watched your videos, absolutely. Um, but I mainly stayed in the comments on Facebook until uh, July 2nd, which was when the map of fear was uh, uh, unveiled um, by Governor DeWine along with the school rules that were going to be put in place in the fall and putting those two things together it was it was abundantly clear that uh you put those two things together we would be looking at a complete shutdown of the entire state in the fall with uh no active symptomatic COVID-19 disease necessary at all. And so that's where I started getting active and I started doing exactly as Warner said, uh, dissecting all of the data that they put out and uh, pointing out how ridiculous it was. And um, yeah, that's, that's basically what I've been doing <laughs> for the last year and a half. Uh, I've been doing these, these um, uh, podcasts beyond the data for uh, I don't know now, uh, eight months or so. And uh, just as a, a place basically to, as a platform for uh, different individuals to be able to, or groups to be able to come and, and talk about different things so that we can get it out to Ohioans and have something to connect on and, and uh, information. So I think that basically covers me. Mm -hmm. And I'm Jason Hedges. And <laughs> By training, I'm a school psychologist, uh, 20 years, and you know I have been researching since probably 2008. Um, you know aspects related to Federal Reserve and that sort of thing, and I knew something was desperately wrong by the end of March of 2020. And I said to my wife, "We probably should do something because this is starting to look very fishy." You know, when Mike Dewine would go and his press briefings, which were daily, I think. Yes. And I mean, it, it was just, they kept repeating the same phrases over and over again in this together, don your mask, don your cape. And I said, I said to my wife, I said, you do that when you want to impart a belief system in the subconscious mind of someone. And I said, there's a level of dark psychology going on here. And, and th at that point, I think is when Jen and I had been talking over a, uh, it was a health freedom Facebook page. And that's kind of how I got involved. So, you know, I'm a school psychologist by training and then the co-founder of Ohio Stands Up and quasi event planner, I guess. Um, my wife and I do some of that. And then, um, yeah, that's kind of how I, I got here. I would love not to, you know, have to have gotten involved, but I'm not somebody who can sit back and let things happen, especially to kids. And what they've done to our children is unacceptable. It's abuse. And so um, I, I'm fighting for my son, his generation, and all the children, you know, beneath them. So that's my story. Yeah. Well, and I think maybe this is a good time to, to move on to what Warner has been doing in terms of cases. Certainly. Yeah. Any... Well, yeah, because we, when we met Warner, I'd say since November, we've been able, Ohio stands up through donations. And I want everybody to understand that this is all donation funded. We're a 501c4. All of our board members are operating voluntarily. Uh, so what we've been able to accomplish is through donations. So if people can continue to donate, you can donate through ohiostandsup.org or our Give, Send, Go platform. We got rid of our GoFundMe platform because of uh, them uh, interfering with the Convoy fundraising platform. So 
you know, the donations are what help us continue to fund some of the cases. And uh, it was Ohio University, the University of Cincinnati, Bowling Green State University, Smuckers, which is a pretty high, high profile case. There was an ADA case that we provided some funding for recently. And then Akron Children's Hospital more recently, and then the Highland Tavern. And, and Wonder, I don't know if you want to talk about kind of where those are right well, now. Well, yeah, I mean, I'll, uh, yeah, a couple of things. Um, the uh, the Wright State University case was a, a young uh, doctor who was doing his residency. And that was Wright State in Kettering. So it was kind of a combined case. It was in uh, federal court. Um, Judge Rice was uh, on that case down in southwestern Ohio, and that's an outright win. That doctor uh, is continuing his residency. We won it. We got what's called a temporary restraining order granted, and then Wright State and Kettering, uh, just the end of the case. So that was just an outright win. Uh, the Miami University case also, in some ways, was an outright win, uh, went into court, and um, the, uh, the plaintiffs, uh, you know, had all these mandates on them. Well, the university backed down off all the mandates. Now, the sad thing about that case, what we have appealed it on, is that that was supposed to be seen as a class action that would be the, these three plaintiffs that were brave enough to step forward were representative of hundreds, if not thousands of people at uh, Miami University. So the judge said, no, you don't get class status. They, 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 uh, they granted all the exemptions. They don't have to do anything. And uh, <laughs> you know, none of the testing, none of the masking, none of that. Uh, and you no longer have standing to represent these other people. Uh, now, uh, Ohio University, Bowling Green and University of Cincinnati are all still at the district court levels. Um, they are all still pending. Um, and I, you know, in, in those cases, the students have organized very well. They've publicized their own cases. Uh, you know, obviously the students are getting pretty restless. Um, and it's interesting too, uh, before introducing a vaccine mandate, and this is just a horrendous fact in our case, but University of Cincinnati indicated to the public that it had uh, general support among the student body for a vaccine mandate. And in Ben Lip, who is one of our, uh, you know, one of our plaintiffs, he did a public records request, and it turned out that about a third of the students, only a third of the students, were in favor of a vaccine mandate. So the idea that these young people at college were in favor of these mandates is completely belied by the actual knowledge, by the actual facts, by the actual study that University of Cincinnati did, and you see how they they spun it. They spun it as if they have some kind of general support. They have no support among the students. So it's really a, you know, it's really, um, you know, it's really a dishonest way to proceed uh, to, you know, miscommunicate uh, the results of that poll. And I'm sure they thought that, you know, that if they said, well, everybody's for it, most people would kind of go along. Um, so, you know, but that's a really interesting poll and a, a really interesting fact that Ben Lip uh, got out. And it's, it, it is, it is not just in, in schools. I mean, that's the, the general attitude throughout the state of Ohio as well. That's the exact same uh, manipulation of the numbers that they do throughout yeah. where it's, it's, it, it's, it's not what you think they're saying. Uh, there is a question here for you as oh. well. Does pending mean waiting to hear the case? Are judges assigned? Uh, pending means that yes, judges are assigned, the cases are filed, uh, and that we are we are in the midst of making the arguments. Uh, 
um, on these cases. Now, in all three remaining cases, uh, and I don't even mean to say remaining because Miami University is remaining, it's just on appeal. But in the three cases at the district court level, uh, they've all filed motions to dismiss and we've responded to those. So the judge is gonna decide that issue first. And that's you know whether we have the standing to bring uh, these cases. And uh, we're asking for the judge to declare what the, the universities are doing is illegal. Now, one more thing about the universities that I didn't realize. And, um, you know, I've been litigating for a long time. I've been involved in politics. I've gone to, you know, state of Ohio schools. I never knew about something called the Inter-University Council. So in the midst of all this, we are, we are learning some of the structures that are really driving the decision-making both at our schools, our high schools and elementary schools and at our colleges. And there are these big unified structures that are pushing out the same messages, the same policies, you know, to all of these places. So, if, so that's why OU is very similar to University of Cincinnati. They're not making independent reason decisions where you would expect a diversity of possible policy responses. You know, you, and that would actually provide good tests because maybe one university would say no masking and one would say yes mask and you'd have some kind of test there. But no, they're all on the same page and it's all being driven through the Inter-University Council, which they're the folks who serve on that. We don't even know. I mean, we do know who they are, but we don't know them in the public. They're not public figures. They're making a lot of money there uh, and they're driving this, this uh, whole pandemic and the planning uh, with the universities. Um, the same thing's happening at the school level in terms of the board docs, you know, everybody's heard of the board docs program and very similar policies are being pushed out through um, basically companies that coordinate with boards of education about policies and, and their uh, board of education uh, documents. So it's, it's, we are helping, this is helping to reveal the structure of decision-making behind the decisions. And unfortunately it's very unified, it's very well-funded. And uh, as far as I can see, the money that's being tied to the universities, which have gotten hundreds of millions and even the school systems have gotten hundreds of millions. I think Columbus got uh, $450 million for its public school system. Akron got $150 million. And that's why these school boards aren't listening to parents anymore. They're just, they're just barreling ahead and, and implementing CDC guidance without any thought. So I don't know, it's been very interesting to discover all that. Well, they're not even always following the CDC guidance either because the no. CDC guidance changes all the time. And, the and specifically in Ohio, we modify CDC guidance. It's not even good enough for Ohio. We, we take CDC guidance and we modify it into something more ridiculous and the schools go right along with it. So, you know, and, and you know, we do need to, uh, we do need to remember that all of this stuff is experimental. And, you know, we have the, the Code of Federal Regulations that incorporates the Nuremberg Code, the Helsinki and Geneva principles. Um, we're signed on to that. Hell, we prosecuted the Nazis. And it's in our, it's in our Code of Federal Re Regulations, folks. So when people say, oh, you can't draw that Nazi comparison. Well, what we all learned from, you know, the, uh, from World War II is you cannot experiment on people without their informed consent and that that's a violation of their human rights. 
And that's what's happening with our kids as young as age two, CDC mandates masks as young as age two. And we've got, we've got Head Start implementing that, we've got school systems implementing that. And, and, uh, you know, and then these mandates for the vaccines at every level. I mean, this is an experimental process. They're violating the, the, the basic principles that we learned uh, fighting the evil empire, the Nazis. And apparently we've adopted, uh, we are ignoring what we learned in Nuremberg and we are ignoring the principles that we enshrined in international and domestic law. So I, I mean, I'm, you know, I feel very strongly about it. I, I, you know, I can tell so many stories. You know, when I mentioned the two years, two-year-olds, you know, I've got a new grandbaby, a couple of new grandbabies, which I'm very happy about. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they, they look at your face and they have to see your lips moving to learn language. And it's absolutely critical. It's how we learn language. And I happen to speak another language and believe me, and I happen to not hear that well some days, <laughs> I'm looking at people's faces, looking at how their lips are moving to figure out, uh, you know, uh, what's being said a lot of times. So, you know, and I know that's, you know, the kids need that, especially our young kids. We have done such emotional, physical, even physical harm because they can't, their, their faces aren't working the same way where they enunciating the way they would be learning by imitating how your your face is moving. So I, I mean, I'm just astounded that we would be masking two-year-olds. I mean, any, any parent and any grandparent understands that's completely, absolutely ridiculous. And, and the fact, and how can, you know, what parent would give informed consent, you know, especially if they knew this was gonna hold their child up, you know, years in terms of their learning. And maybe seriously damage them emotionally, seriously damage their ability to vocalize. I mean, I don't think any parent, if they had informed consent about what a mask ends up doing, would would agree to it. Um, you know, and then furthermore, I mean, the information that we're getting from our medical people that we represent in terms of the damage that the shots are doing to people. You know, I mean, I I know a lot of people who've gotten a shot and. I've got family members who got the shot, but you know, we are just, the, the information just keeps coming out and it's just horrendous. I, I don't think they're at this point, you know, I'm, I've definitely become an extremist. Um, I, uh, no, you're not. No, it's I, not extremism at I, this point. I, I, I don't, you know, unless somebody told uh, somebody, look, you're going to die unless you get it. Uh, maybe then, I don't know. But I don't think that this shot's doing anybody really any good. Um, you know, we're hearing, you know, we've heard from the people working on the cancer wards. We've heard, I had some horrible stories this week about the young ladies who are pregnant getting it. And we've never done experiments on pregnant women. And yet the amount of abortions, spontaneous abortions that are occurring is really, really through the roof. And I, I mean, in the, it doesn't take much to Google and look that up to verify that. So the cancer is, is very problematic. It interferes with how your system functions uh, to deal with cancer. The abortions, it interferes with growing a baby in your body. Uh, we don't know exactly the extent that it interferes with the reproductive system, but there's obviously, you know, that's, we're gonna learn that pretty quick next. The heart, uh, the cardiac nurses that we're talking to, I mean, we just are hearing all kinds of stories. The entire profile of the people walking into the cardiac units, about half of them 
is a new profile, a profile they haven't seen before. They're younger, they appear to be healthier, they've never had a history. Uh, they probably, they don't have some of the bad habits, maybe even some of my bad habits. Um, you know, it's, so this profile has completely changed. And then beyond that, you know, we're hearing from the folks who treat the elderly. And I've got, uh, I just had many, many stories that it really appeared that the Alzheimer's progressed much faster. Yes. So, I mean, you know, it's not, you know, I, I try to, you know, I, I, I try to caution that, uh, you know, I'm sort of in the vortex of, of a lot of this information, uh, but it's really coming from a lot of different sources. I mean, but among the groups of nurses, you know, we had about 31,000 nurses in the state of Ohio who wanted exemptions that had contacted us through their various structures, mainly ad hoc structures. And, you know, we talked to many, many of them and we've got some lawsuits get, getting off the ground too. Um, but I mean, it, this is not anything that's isolated. This is so widespread. And, and the fact that, um, I, I don't know why people are, you know, I don't know why people are not waking up to it. Maybe, maybe they are, but if you've gotten a shot and I don't want to be all doom and gloom because I've got family members who've gotten it. I've got friends who've gotten a shot. I, I would say, however, you need to look at you know, functionally, what do you need to do to clear those spike proteins out of your system? So, you know, talk to a functional doctor, talk to your family doctor, uh, talk to a nutritionist and take their advice in terms of what you need to do, because what we have is really immune system damage. And you have got to go in, the, the shot itself seems to be damaged in the immune system, which we know that affects everything. So, you know, I think everyone who's gotten a shot really needs to pay attention. Maybe you're fine. Great. And, and, and it sounds like many, many, many people are fine, but I've got so many hundreds of stories at this point that, um, you know, I would be, I would be advising people to, you know, go see a doctor, go see a nutritionist, go see a functional uh, medicine person and and take some steps to just make sure your immune system is robust and functioning properly and even strange symptoms specifically the ones that i i, I watch different groups that that are having uh the rashes you know, the, one. Yeah, there's which which is a logical conclusion uh, from any kind of um uh, failure of the innate immune system would be skin problems gastrointestinal problems uh things of that nature um, they take them seriously. <laughs> they are not nothing. Uh, and as Warner said, go, go find a doctor that yeah. will listen. And Good luck. I mean, we're really in the vortex. I mean, yes. we're, we're, I'm hearing, honestly, I'm hearing every, probably every day we get 75 phone calls Jeez. at this point. Wow. And then, you know, and in those phone calls are deaths. Uh, there's doctors that won't see patients, you know, the patients are complaining yeah. about that. There's people getting fired. You know, so 75 calls a day, roughly we're running right now. I, you know, we can't handle that many. I mean, I'm just gonna be blunt. It's, it, we're really on overload. Uh, we, have tried to, um, we have tried to network lawyers. So we do have about 40 lawyers in the network right now. And uh, we are trying to, you know, we are trying to hook up lawyers with the folks who need the help. Uh, even with 40 lawyers, I mean, you can see how quickly that would be, we'd, everybody would be on overload. 
you know, so we, we really need a thousand lawyers, <laughs> a thousand lawyers and millions even of then, dollars and even everything then, else. It would but, still probably not be enough yeah. at this point. They, they are trying to overwhelm us. But we, we are trying to file our cases as class actions. So they have a, a little bit broader impact. And, and we do hope that we can, you know, get some judgments in place that will have that broader impact. Um, you know, and I'll talk about Smuckers in a minute, but yeah, go ahead, Jen. So I just, you know, I just wanted to make sure everyone understands too, because this is a medical freedom movement um, in a lot of ways. And this has been my calling for the past 10 years. And it's only intensified in those 10 years. And we need to make it very clear that this is all about choice, right? It's all about informed consent. It's about knowing what the risks are knowing what potential benefits there are to taking any medical intervention and having the right to refuse that without any sort of uh, threat of job loss, not being able to go to school, not being able to enter a store to go shopping. Um, those are the things that we are fighting for. This is, it's all about having the choice, right? Um, if people want to take those medical interventions, including vaccinations, they have the right to do that. I have the right not to do that. And I should continue to have the freedoms that I was born into um, in making that choice, right? Yep. Uh, and I think that's really important for people to understand because people will quickly dismiss and use words like anti-vaccine and conspiracy theorists and, and things that are meant to discredit and belittle us um, when we're, we're not preventing anyone from using any sort of medical intervention that they so wish to use. Jen, thank you for clarifying that. I, I mean, I, I think that's, you know, that's really important. Here's what, here's what's getting to me right now, though. You know, I, 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 I was on to Dr. Corey, you know, back in uh, the spring of 2020 and, you know, uh, Peter McCullough has been helping us. Um, and, you know, what I've seen and what really, really gets to me right now is that they have deplatformed anyone who has any alternative information, including to some extent, some deplatforming of me, definitely deplatforming there, deplatforming there. You know, deplatforming of the Canadian truckers, for that matter, with their fundraising, which I happen to be in touch with the attorney, one of the attorneys who's working with them. You know, so what's happening now, I, I agree it's about medical freedom and I agree it's about medical choice, but you can't make a choice if you don't have the information and if we're not even having the debate. So I that you're 100 percent right. Do anything you want. You want this shot. Go ahead. Take it. Good luck. Uh, but, but, you know, I think before you take that shot, you need to hear from some of these doctors. And, and the thing about it is with the people who like Peter McCullough, Pierre Corey, whatever, these people have lost jobs. They've lost positions. They have put their livelihoods, their reputations on the line to try to tell us what's going on. On the other hand, the people on the other side, who are trying to shut them down 
are reaping billions and billions of dollars in rewards at every level. Fauci's reaping rewards from all of this at every level. So, you know, I'm looking at the people who are trying to shut it down and the information they're conveying, which is all this hunky-dory sweetness and light, safe and effective. And they're getting rewarded for saying safe and effective, safe and effective. And the people who are, who are trying to warn us are losing money, losing jobs, losing positions. So who's credible here? There, to me, there's no one more credible than someone who's going to put their livelihood and, and you know, to some extent their lives, you know, at least the, the well-being of their lives on the line for this. Um, you know, and, and, and what worries me about, it is about medical freedom, absolutely, but it, but it has to be informed consent. You know, we are, we are, you know, at the very least, the consent should be there, but we also have this right to have access to information. Um, you know, it's not just about freedom of speech, it's about freedom of information too. We're, we're supposed to have, if we have a Freedom of Information Act for crying out loud, we're supposed to be able to get all the government data. We're supposed to be able to see those Pfizer documents to see what's in there. You know, to see that, uh, oh, the control group, uh, less of them died than in the ones that got the shot, for example. Uh, you know, we need to be able to see that information to judge it for ourselves. So we are unable to be informed properly in this environment, unless you're digging hard, unless you got special well, access. Even then, I mean, we just, we, yeah, we we're were talking, talking about, about death records, so, right. so there have been some FOIA requests that have been going on in the state of Ohio for the, almost two years now. And uh, one of them finally made it to uh, Court of Appeals and the Court of Appeals determined that uh, death data is not public record anymore. So what has always been the case, now they've just decided that, no, you, you can't even see the death and, records. You can go in and pick up a death certificate, but you're, you're not allowed to have that information in another way, which we already have that information. Let, let me explain to the audience, because this sounds kind of like it's meaning, not that meaningful. It's incredibly meaningful. Here's what's happening. If you want to go get a death certificate of anybody for any reason at your county health department, you can go get a death certificate right now. Um, so unless they change that, but you can go get that death certificate, but the, but the state of Ohio aggregates the data in a, in a database that they have been releasing the information on every single year to anybody who asked up until now. So all of a sudden this aggregate information, uh, which, you know, which is de-identified by the way, we can no longer get it. And, and that information is really important for finding out whether, frankly, whether they're lying about cause of death, whether they're lying about what the impact of the crisis is. So we can no longer, you know, a, a misinformed or disinformed or uninformed public can't make proper decisions that, that we have to be able to make as citizens. We have to have the information. And death certificate of information is one of those key pieces of information. And one of the things the appeals court said that, oh, well, this is health information. Guess what? When you're dead, you're not only, you not only don't have any more health issues, <laughs> it's not health information. You're dead. There's no more health uh, involved there. There's not health privacy. It's on your death certificate. And we all have a right to know that. And it's important for us to know why people die in our society. Knowing why they die helps us create policy responses, and it helps us understand the policies 
that we've already been involved with and what, what the policy outcomes have been. So it's, it's very upsetting to me uh, that they've made that change. An uninformed public can't make proper decisions. So anyway, thank you for bringing up the issue of we are a medical freedom of movement, absolutely. Uh, I agree. It is hard to get the right information out there. Um, you know, people want to be fed what they want to be fed, but it is out there. Um, and that's part of, you know, what Ohio Stands Up stands for is that educational piece and, um, you know, bringing volunteers in and, you know, just trying to, you know, bring those truths to those who are willing to hear those truths, right? Um, it's, it's not just about trying to you know, tell people your way. It's, it's, it's just to, you know, the truth, the truth is like a lion to quote Dr. Malone, set it free and it will speak for itself. Right. And it's, and that's, what's happening right now. And we have to keep using our mission to, to let that truth be set free. Um, and I did see that someone had, um, there are some questions. Um, and if we could back up for a second, there was a question about, what happened um, to our relationship with Tom. And I feel like there might be some people who um, want to know why um, we moved on from working with Tom. So can we quickly just kind of like talk about that really quick? I, I'm gonna actually address that a little bit myself. I mean, just from my perspective as an attorney, I mean, you know, I will tell you that, you know, there's so few attorneys that are doing this work. And Tom was one of the early ones who stepped up. And, you know, what happens, what happens, and it's already happened to me, I'm just, I'm turning people down is what I'm doing mainly. Uh, you can very quickly get, and, and we need people who will go national and are able to go national. And Tom, you know, there was a chance and an opportunity for Tom to move on from Ohio and really become a national figure, you know, and be the channel that we talked about earlier. You know, so he's become a channel for whistleblowers. He's been become a channel for information, but he really has become more of a national figure at this point. And that's a very important role to have somebody in. And that's what I mean. You guys really helped provide him a launch pad and got him up there. Now, me, I'm like 60 years old. I'm not going anywhere. I don't have the energy to fly around the country and be up here before a lot of people. I just want to work here in Ohio. So I've already turned down some invitations to go out of state or go to D.C. or go to California. Um, it's not that we won't take cases out of state. We do. But I'm not interested in going in terms of, you know, the movement issues. I'm, I, I want to litigate here. And we may take a case out in uh, L.A. Uh, one of the, yeah, Chris. Yeah, we have a case that we're considering out there. One of the doctors that got in some trouble. But we want to take on case by case and just fight this through the courts. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to make myself available. I promised uh, <laughs> I promised my family and I got two new grandbabies. So I want to be here as much as humanly possible. But I'm, I'm very thankful for someone like Tom who's able to get out there and able to speak and, and do all the things that he does. And I'm very thankful for you guys having provided that platform. But you know, it is, it's very quick. You can get, you can get pulled into some much bigger stuff and, and we need attorneys at every level. So, you know, hopefully there'll be some young attorney, maybe one of the ones in my practice, he, he can go do some of the more national stuff too. <laughs> I, I think no, we, we think that Tom Renz is doing great work and he did great work for us. Um, and I think, you know, Jason and I, along with the rest of the board, just kind of felt that we wanted to bring our movement 
back to its roots, which was Ohio. And we were so, so glad and lucky to, um, you know, find you Warner because it allowed us to, to come back to that mission. So we just want everybody to understand that we still support Tom and his work. It, it just, it wasn't, you know, it just wasn't um, what we, what we originally, you know, we just wanted to come back to and bring and bring that help back to Ohio. We wanted to see that change happen here. This is where we live. This is what we love. This is where our kids are. And, um, you know, it was very serendipitous that it all happened the way that it did. I, I want to add to that, Jen, you know, because I think this notion has been unfortunately promulgated that somehow it was this horrible separation. It was just a sort of a natural, natural shifting is what has happened. Yeah. And, you know, while Tom was, is focusing nationally, we said, well, we've got to focus in on Ohio. And I think at the, by the time I want to say August rolled around and uh, in, in between in September, I think it was very clear that, you know, the word shift kept, kept coming into my mind. So I just want for everybody to understand is that it was it was an amicable separation. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and we had funded Bob Gargas and Tom for the writ of prohibition and the two lawsuits through GoFundMe, just so so everybody understands. Yeah. Are there any other questions? I think there's probably some that are more directed towards you, Warner, regarding some of the um, I think there was one saying I saw, I saw one about grandjury.net. I'm not, you know, there's a number of things that are going on. Um, you know, in terms of there, there are a number of lawyers worldwide who think that there needs to be a criminal prosecution. Um, and I think that they are trying to, you know, because they can't get traction in the uh normal court system, they're going ahead and putting on you know, the evidence of fraud uh, and, and injury, uh, you know, anyway, kind of in a mock trial. And, you know, I think that's, uh, I think that's an important effort, you know, to explore uh, and to test the evidence. Um, so I, I appreciate what they're doing. Reiner, I think it's Reiner Fulmick, who I think he's on the one that was cited. Uh, they have actually reached out to us so we're in touch with him and his group. Um, they just they reached out because of the litigation in Ohio. So the you know some of the German attorneys and the English attorneys and Canadian attorneys have all reached out now uh, and are very interested in what we're trying to do here in Ohio. Ohio really is seen kind of as a vanguard in terms of the people organizing and objecting to the direction of of things. And and we're kind of in the middle because we have a governor who isn't a governor who's, you know, standing against all this craziness, he's kind of going along with it, you know, so. Uh, more than just going along we're, with it, he's, he's he is very much in it. So, you know, we're in a position of having to fight in Ohio and boy, oh boy, I mean, I think people all over the state, I mean, you know, all over the state are, are, are really fighting for their basic civil rights here and their basic right as parents to control their children's health care and, and uh, schooling, so. You know, we're, we're really a vanguard in the country, I think. And uh, I think it's getting noticed. Um, so, yeah, I so the grand jury, I, I appreciate what those guys are doing. I mean, you know, it's important, you know, and what they're doing basically is saying, look, Nuremberg principles were well established. You know, it was established by the trials after World War II. You know, like I said earlier, the Helsinki, Geneva uh, conventions, uh, and then our own 
you know, in, in the United States, our own code of federal regulations incorporates those idea of informed consent. And, and uh, the, you cannot have informed consent if you don't have information. It goes back to the original point I made. And, um, you know, the deaths that are occurring following the vaccination and all that. I mean, uh, there are a lot of people who think there should be criminal charges and, uh, and international criminal charges. So that's, that's where they're heading with it. Uh, there's a question off of Facebook here about um, a while ago, or a little while ago uh, about who can help with a FOIA request. Well, <laughs> the, the, a couple of things about this, um, and I, I just to be really clear, in Ohio, it's actually called a public records request, and they're actually very easy. Pick a piece of information that you want, write them a letter that says I'm making a public records request for the death data for March of 2020 or whatever it is, and, and then send it to them in, a, in, a, in certified mail. That's all you have to do. That well, certified mail is important. Hang on. I know, <laughs> I know what you're going to say next. That certified mail is important in case we have to go to court to force them to get that to release data or whatever else has to be done. There is also a, a process with the court of claims for in, to hear these cases that are brought by individuals. So the court of claims ca uh, cases work very, very well most of the time, not all the time, <laughs> not for the death data, but it, it is still worth challenging our public officials, getting all the information that you can, keep them busy responding to the citizens. That helps to keep them accountable. Now, FOIA, that's Freedom of Information Act. Um, there are, I, I think, a, well, you can find some models. There's something called the uh, FOIA machine. I think it's on, on the web. I think it's at documentcloud.org. Um, they, may, they may have another name for it now, muckrock or something. But if you go to documentcloud.org, they have some model, the models for letters and how to get the... Uh, how to make requests of the federal government. So that's a FOIA and, and they have to respond. They're supposed to respond to you within, I think it's 20 or 21 days. If they don't, you actually have the right to go to federal court to enforce it. Um, and, but there are offices in every agency, FOIA offices. You should try to find out who's in that office and, and make those requests. So I can tell you on the federal side, because I've done a number of those, they are very slow. They don't respond in the 20 to 21 days. It's usually more like months. They're very backed up, but, but you do have a right to go to federal court if you need to, which uh, um, you know, uh, the Siri law firm did on the, on the Pfizer documents. So, um, and we're in touch with the Siri law firm as well. But uh, you know that's how the Pfizer documents are coming out is through FOIA litigation. So it's very important stuff, and I, I encourage everyone to start going down that path. Get the records you want. Dig into your government. Hold them accountable. So do you think we could ask state for an audit of how the ARPA and CARES Act funds have been spent? Is that a possibility? Well, if they've done audits, you can ask for those audits. Absolutely, those audits are public records. So every year, your community and your school board, usually, they have to go through an audit. So you can ask the state auditor for the audit of your school board for last year. Uh, now, they may not have last year's done, but you could certainly ask for 2020 and then you know, find out when last year's are going to be done and get that, get that documentation. All the cities have audits. City of Akron has an annual audit, and you can request it. I've done that many times. So those audits are available. 
And the state of Ohio, the attorney's general's office, I will tell you, is very quick in getting those to us. They've been very quick about it. So usually it's just a couple of weeks. You can email it to them and they will email you a link to, a, to the documents. Hmm. Yeah, some parts of our government work just fine. Do they still work just fine or we, no, do we know You're going to find out. You're going <laughs> to find out. What I want to say to everybody, I mean, I know I'm, I'm kind of doom and gloom a lot of times <laughs> on some of this stuff. But I mean, you got to realize that there are good people. I, I'm glad I'm reminding myself to do this. There are good people. Most of the people are good, are well-meaning, good, patriotic people who work for us in this local government, the state government, the federal government. I mean, you know, we are all being abused by a handful of people who are really out of their lane. But most people there, they want to do the right thing. Um, you know, a lot of people are going along maybe to keep their jobs is probably not a good reason, but, you know, we all have to make our decisions. But those people, you know, are the whistleblowers. So, you know, uh, Cleveland Clinic has whistleblowers. Akron General has whistleblowers. Akron Children's has whistleblowers. Smuckers has whistleblowers. AstraZeneca. AstraZeneca has whistleblowers. <laughs> Johnson & Johnson. We've heard from all these people. Johnson & Johnson, AstraZeneca. Uh, what's the, oh, McKesson, the big, uh, the other big company. Uh, we have heard from every major company, literally, we're just in Akron, Ohio, for crying out loud, <laughs> but we are hearing from everybody. The J&J &J people don't want the shot. The AstraZeneca people don't want the shot. The McKesson people don't want the shot. Now, these, these you know why they don't want it. I hope you guys get that. <laughs> they, they're seeing it up close and personal, and they don't like it. Uh, so lots of, lots of, uh, Lots of people reaching out at all levels, but we're interpenetrated now. All these institutions, you know, are interpenetrated. I assume they're spying on us, right? So I assume they know everything we're doing anyway. Uh, but we also know what they're doing because there's, there's people on the inside who are patriotic and want to save this country. They want to do what's right and they want to get us the good information. So we're counting on you whistleblowers out there. We really are. And we thank you. Uh, we thank you for getting the information to us. I want to revert back to something you talked about the okay. kids and the masks, because <laughs> yeah. I know a lot of people watching have kids, you know, over 80% of, of all communication is nonverbal. Okay. Oh, right. Yeah. And so by expression. masking these yeah. kids, they have really disabled their ability to perceive some of those nonverbal cues yeah. um, that are so important in social emotional development. Another issue is that, you know, suicide is the second leading cause of death right now between people age 10 and 35. And drug use is probably the highest. I think I saw 40,000 for drug use, 20,000 for suicide, and yeah. much less than that for COVID. Well, they're, they're blaming CARES Act money yeah. for, yeah, for I the saw increase that. I in, saw in that opioid of course. Yes. Well, I tell you, I, I work with teenagers, and the, the number of depression and even suicide that I've dealt with this year, it was already on the upswing before COVID. Well, the, the response to COVID has not helped whatsoever. And you never hear them talk about it. You don't. And I, I you know, as a, somebody who works in a public school, you know, I, I, mental health has always been something that's very, very important. And these public school officials, administrators are dropping the ball. They're absolutely dropping the ball on these kids, which is why I think people need to stand up. They need to go to their school boards. They need to let the school boards know exactly how they feel. Yeah, well, I know. I we already know the parents know that, and and they are they are they are going they are going. That's good. But yeah, these school boards don't realize they are causing death 
and they are causing more kids to die from the shutdowns and everything they've instituted than the disease itself will ever cause. I mean, that's actually statistically correct. Oh, yeah. It's the psychological damages will be transcendent. For and that, yeah, and that's an ongoing issue. Yeah. So, yeah. Jason, um, maybe you can address this. How can regular people support our work? Well, that's a great question. Number of things. Number <laughs> We're regular of, people too, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> well, number one, is, and, and you know, I, I, I hate asking people for money, but the fact is Ohio Stands Up is strictly funded by donations. And the two ways you can donate is go to our website, ohiostandsup.org, or get our Give, Send, Go page, which I don't, somebody asked about that link. I don't have it. If you go to Give, Send, Go, simply type in Ohio Stands Up with an exclamation point at the end and it should come up. So, I mean, that's because we're, what we're trying to do now, you know, we, we helped file those two big, big lawsuits in Ohio in 2020. What we are trying to do now is say, and I, I want, this is a perfect time, Jen, is- And look at one of the questions. It's about, can we go after the schools? And that's actually what we're doing, but go ahead. Yeah, is we are saying to people, look, if you have a group of people that wanna file a lawsuit, start a fundraiser. Um, if you have a skill, make something and sell it, do a fundraiser. Ohio Stands Up will then decide as a board, can we throw in some money to that lawsuit? And we've already done that with about seven different cases. The idea, it's the term I come up with, it's community supported legal funding or community supported legal action, meaning Ohio Stands Up is going to have events. That's where, you know, people, people attend, we make money from those events, and that is going to go help Warner continue to file lawsuits. It's also going to help us with our operating expenses, which are really negligible. Um, the other thing is we have a woman, Brenda Patak, makes these cozies. You basically wrap it around a dish you're going to microwave, and when you pull it out, you don't burn your hands. She made these wonderful cozies for our last event, and we sold those. Uh, Pam Levinson and Sherry Garrity, they developed this awesome cookbook, which you can, Ohio Stands Up Cookbook, Taste of Freedom. You can buy it on Amazon. And so if you have talents, use those as a means of raising money so that everybody's got a little bit of skin in the game. Um, also, run for city council, um, run for your school board next year. You know, those are ways that you can get involved. I think Ohio Stands Up will be looking for other people to jump on board at some point, Jen. I mean, we've talked about that. We yeah. can definitely use more support. I mean, um, right now there's about six of us and we could definitely use one or two more people. So we're going to be looking for other volunteers in the future, the near future. So I think those are a couple of ways that people, and you know, by supporting Ohio Stands Up, you're also supporting Warner Mendenhall and his law group. So again, it's all of us coming. It literally is Ohio and standing up, pulling resources together, pulling together their talents to fight back and to preserve an Ohio that is going to be conducive long-term for our children. And, and that's, that's why I got involved. Well, I, you know, I, I appreciate, I appreciate uh, all the help that you gave us. I, I, I want to point out Ohio Stands Up supports more than Warner Mendenhall and the Mendenhall Law Group. And uh, while we would love to be able to do every case, we simply cannot do every case. So uh, Ohio Stands Up has been willing to support other attorneys. So if you're raising funds, you know, uh, Ohio Stands Up can help to coordinate that fundraising, help coordinating, getting it to your attorney 
help you manage that process. Um, so, well, we're, we're working with a group in Cincinnati, um, Jill Machinga. And she, you know, so she's like, we want to do an event in Cincinnati. We haven't had one down there. And, you know, it's going to kind of help some of the Cincinnati plaintiffs, uh, Doug and Roshan uh, Golden will be at that event. And then there's a group in, I think, West Northwestern Ohio. We're going to try to work with them to plan an event in July. So by all of us kind of working together, you know, when many hands make light work. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of, and I think the sooner that we can get, uh, we need to set good precedent in Ohio, correct? I mean, we, we do, need yeah. good precedent in Ohio. Yeah. And we also need to send a very clear message that we will never let this happen again, ever, ever. Um, and for those running for governor, that means you too. So <laughs> pay attention. Um, well, I, I think what we're, we've done, you know, we've been hit with this virus of fear. You know, this virus of fear, this virus of control, you know, the very, you know, last fall, I wrote something about COVID civic antibodies. And I think that still holds true. You know, what we are doing, we've been hit with the virus of fear, the virus of control, and we are reacting, literally, I'm using all these analogies, we're reacting as the body politic. And we ourselves are becoming the civic antibodies to this terrible crisis, uh, a, a constitutional crisis, civil rights crisis, human rights crisis that we're facing. And, and as antibodies, we're going to go to work and we're going to remember for the rest of our lives. And we're going to teach our children and we are going to make this part of our uh, genetic, uh, political genetic uh, heritage uh, to not let this happen to us. I mean, and we are, you know, we have, you know, we're part of, uh, an immune system to this that was created by our founders as well, and by Lincoln and by Bart, Martin Luther King, um, you know, by the suffragettes. I mean, we've had these fights in us all the way through. We've always had to fight for freedom. And we always learn, uh, you know, and we have a lot of skill that's been developed in all these battles for civil rights that, that we can use and that inform us in terms of what our efforts are now. So those antibodies were there, they're getting reactivated and we're part of that process, I'm thankful to say. And then I think the other thing that we need to, um, you know, I, I'll go a little broader than COVID uh, for a moment. Um, I think that, um, you know, we are, we really need uh, to have what I'd call trusted networks and parallel structures. So, you know, we need trusted networks of people, people that we know we can count on, people that we can turn to when we need help. I mean, I unfortunately, I think we have got a financial crisis that's going to come right on the heels of this COVID crisis. I am no expert at finance, but man, you know, I've been through a couple of crashes in my lifetime. It sure looks like all the signals are there again. And I think we need to be there, um, you know, you know, we're going to need to support ourselves. I mean, I'm going to put a name on this. I mean, I think we all understand that our children have suffered. We have suffered. You know, I've got friends who lost businesses through this crisis. We've had 20% of small businesses close. I've had people lose jobs, you know, so we are in for some suffering folks until we, you know, it, it does take some suffering. I mean, it's terrible to think about, but it's very hard to go through that um if you're all alone and i think that you know we all need to understand we're not alone and 
you know, we're going to reach out and help as many people as we can. And, uh, you know, we need to be able to communicate that back and forth. I mean, God knows, I mean, you know, we may, may need access to good, healthy, locally grown food here in, in six months. I don't know. You know, it's, I really do think we're in for, for a shock here financially, unfortunately. So we've got some bigger things that are happening to our country. You know, I think the, uh, you know, I think our national um, sovereignty uh, has really been breached uh, by all of the corruption uh, that we've seen at the national level with the, uh, you know, with, you know, initially, I think everybody knows, you know, you'd work for the federal government, then you go work for the Saudis, or now you go work for the Chinese and you, you get access to Chinese markets. I mean, unfortunately, our national politics has really been corrupted by, by the trillions of dollars that have flooded in from overseas and that have flooded out into those countries uh, and have profited these multinationals. So, and even the multinational corporation itself has become a very uh, corrupting influence uh, where we see the cycle of people working for the federal government and going to work, getting paid off when they go out to these big corporations. That's why we didn't have any prosecutions after the banking crisis in 07. I mean, you know, in the savings and loan crisis, there were thousands of trials. Well, we, we had a handful of trials after a much bigger crisis in 07. So, you know, the clear regulatory capture has occurred. Uh, the corporations have grown ever larger and ever disconnected to the nation. There's no national pride in the corporations anymore. Um, you know, they're just going on with the program. And I just think everybody needs to be aware of that. I know I'm getting off topic here a little bit, but um, it's all tied together, though. Yeah. I mean, if you really think about, you know, for me, COVID-19 was sort of a, a vehicle for them to, well, I mean, Klaus Schwab, you know, the Great Reset. I mean, they, we know they want to integrate the world economically. And Nixon took us off the gold standard in the early 70s. So we've had a fiat currency for close to 50 years. And they keep printing it en masse. And of course, you know, people know the more you print something, the more available you know, the less valuable it becomes. So I definitely think more that's all most certainly tied in. And going to events and connecting with other people is a great way to, you know, build those networks of when we have no idea what's going to happen next, you'll meet people <laughs> yeah. who might be able to help you. Well, forming tight-knit groups yes. in your communities. I mean, for yeah. instance, I, I grow food. I know how to can food. Finding people that can hunt, finding people that have, you know, know how to, uh, you know, set a broken bone. I mean, it's going to be imperative, I think, in time that we have groups of, you know, like-minded people who are kind of supporting one another in, in, yeah. in these ways. Well, I mean, and even, I mean, I was on the phone today with uh, Susan Sweeten from Freedom Travel Alliance, you know, you know, we actually have airplanes available to get people out of here. Uh, and, and we're right now, they're running uh, rescue missions uh, from Canada. They're going up next week to rescue a family there. And they've got uh, three families out in Australia they're trying to rescue. So we have planes available. <laughs> These are parallel structures that are getting created, folks. Uh, we have a we have uh, an airline, basically, uh, you know, we have planes available to get people out of uh, Europe, Austria in particular, Ireland. They've run a, a flight to Ireland 
flights out of Canada, and they're bringing them to the United States or even to Mexico. I guess a lot of people are landing in Veracruz for some reason, uh, but that's becoming a haven for people who are trying to escape the oppression in Australia. I mean, I can't even believe those words are coming out of my mouth, but uh, <laughs> Australia is just off the charts. It's off the hook and people want to escape and they're sending jets to Australia to pick people up and get them out of there. And my son, I hope he's He's doing a little bit of a documentary. He's going to document some of this stuff that's going on. But yeah, can you imagine Escape from Canada? I'm talking about oh, yeah. that right now. I mean, but if you've been following what's going on there, I mean, they are now shutting down banking of the, yeah. the truckers. They're, they're freezing their accounts. They're arresting, arresting people for peacefully protesting. And I hate to get political, but I'm going to. I distinctly remember almost two years ago when BLM was burning down cities in every state nothing was done nothing was done well blm was pretty peaceful in akron i think a window got broken but i mean things stayed pretty cool here in here at least <laughs> yeah, right. yeah everybody Seattle, has a, washington not Cleveland so much, was not uh, so yeah, much Cleveland. well but i mean that is exactly the point we have traditionally allowed protest for civil rights and you know you cannot favor one set of protesters over another set of protesters we have a right to protest we have a right to organize we have a right to assemble so, you know, I mean, I think that is, you know, the hypocrisy and the irony of, of that, that differentiation and treatment, um, you know, uh, is, is uh, just obvious. But um, yeah, no, no, see, I, I really got us off track. I'm sorry, Jen, I, <laughs> well, I, I, I medical I freedom. <laughs> we're about medical freedom. No, I, we're about freedom. All together, yeah. freedom. I mean, freedom to move, freedom to live, freedom to run your business, freedom to make your healthcare decisions. You know, all of these freedoms are challenged. I mean, I'm going to, you know, uh, <laughs> I talked to somebody yesterday who's very famous. I, I guess I won't name the name because I'm not sure whether this is privately said or not. Uh, but, but what this very fairly famous person, you know, told me is that his credit cards kept getting shut down. And he was having trouble traveling. Now, this is somebody who's retired, uh, very well known, and should be able to travel freely and enjoy his life. And, and because he's got a, a stance about the COVID crisis, uh, he's actually having a hard time. The credit cards are getting shut down. So they are actually targeting individuals now, even in our country, in terms of making it difficult to move. For example, my camera wasn't working tonight. <laughs> it was working fine before <laughs> a week ago. A week ago. ago. No, we did do a dry run we last dry week, run, yeah. and it went flawlessly. I want to say there's supposed to be a convoy going from California to D.C., I think March 1st, roughly. Yeah. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens if it is a, a mirroring of what has happened in Canada? Well, I have a lot of concerns about the United States uh, because we are an armed country. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of these truckers are packing. I mean, I know that for a fact, most of them have a gun in their cab. Uh, so it is going to be a very different situation. And I, I, you know, I would be very worried about, you know, and I pray that nobody gets violent on this. Um, because I saw some of the things happening in Canada and, and I, you know, it, it could really very quickly enrage you. It does enrage me. Um, and if somebody pulls out a gun and starts shooting, we're going to have some problems. So I, I just, I hope that everybody will stay peaceful on that and um, we'll just deal with it. 
And on that note, yeah. I believe we have, I think that we've covered pretty much all of the questions yeah. and, and you know, we're at about an hour and a half here. Uh, so uh, do you guys have anything, last words you guys want I to just say? want to thank everybody that has supported Ohio Stands Up over the last almost yeah. two years. We're coming up on two years this April and we couldn't have done it without everybody that has stood up and supported us. So I just want to say thank you and just, uh, we ask for your prayers. We ask for your your support, moral, financial, um, and just thank you. Yep, I echo what Jason said. We could not, we would not be where we are right now without without all of you. So, thanks for hosting us, Catherine. Of course, that is why I am here. That is exactly why I am here. <laughs> and 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 we do have uh, use of this. Uh, we are many voices united studio down at the bottom, uh, two floors <laughs> below ground uh, in Akron, Ohio. It's a bomb shelter. Uh, it's bomb a bomb. Shelter. It's a bomb shelter. But uh, uh, so I want to thank WMVU um, for letting us use the studio and the Radio Free Network. Um, but, you know, I want to thank everybody who, who, uh, yeah, I want to thank everybody who, who is watching, um, and just, you know, if people don't stand up, you know, we, you know, as, as a lawyer in particular, I can't do my job. So I want to defend the constitution. I want to defend your civil rights. Um, I can't do it unless you stand up. And I've got 40 lawyers who are, who agree with me. So we're going to try, if you need, if you need help, we're going to try to get it to you. I know there's going to be difficulties. I know we've had trouble meeting some of our, the deadlines that we've set. We've, we've had trouble meeting some of the promises we made, uh, but we are always striving to do that. And, uh, you there know, was a question about oh. other attorneys you go to, and I did, I did post in at least on Facebook chat about healthfreedomcouncil.com as well to look yeah. for other attorneys besides just Warner. And we, ha we have an internal group. So if you send uh, your information about your case to us, we will post it in the group uh, so that, uh, you know, if an attorney, you know, is willing to get back to you, I mean, we try to get back to everybody, at least talk to people. Um, but it is really even becoming hard to do that at this point. I mean, it's 75 calls a day. Uh, it's through, you know, three, four, 500 emails a day. I was behind 1500 emails. I told you the other day, I don't know where it is right now, but so, the, you know, we're trying to adjust and figure out how to, how to deal with that level of communication. I'm a small firm. We're a small firm with six attorneys in it and four support staff. And, uh, you know, but we're going to do everything we can. I guarantee you that. And we'll try to get people linked up as quickly as possible. So, well, thank you for that. Thank you, guys. Thank you, everyone, for joining us tonight. Um, I have a feeling I will not be posting this one to YouTube as normal due to some of the topics covered. No, the topics covered because I've already had um, I was taken down. down. He, he was taken down, and they rejected my appeal. And there were definitely some comments that that definitely would get it pulled down. So, right. well, we're going to put this up. We'll put it up on COVID Lawcast. Uh, dot com. I'll, I'll put the audio up there at least. I'll put this in the thing. COVID law. Ah. Cast.com. Oh yeah, just put that in there. <laughs> I think I got it. COVIDLawcast.com. So if you sign up to the up to the COVIDLawcast.com, you'll get some analysis of some of the cases that are coming down, and uh, you'll get updates on our cases and other things that are happening nationally. 
And I, I, you know, one of the things that happened nationally, which I'm going to put out a, a link to or a little statement on tonight, was there, Pfizer got sued under the Federal False Claims Act for, uh, for falsifying, uh, allegedly falsifying uh, the safety protocols and data in their studies to get this vaccine or the shot uh, okay. So that's a very interesting lawsuit. We'll put that on COVID lawcast next. <laughs> All right. Well, now I think we can say <laughs> okay. good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Okay, you gotta end good night. Thank you. How many were watching and on uh, Zoom? And